0: Leave your weapons here, the law.
1: Max Minute, be sure to hold on to your ticket in order to retrieve your items once we're done watching Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome one minute at a time. I'm Rick.
2: And I'm Julia.
1: And today we're talking about Minute Nine, which begins with the collector informing Max that he must relinquish his weapons. And it ends with our first peek inside Barter Town. And that's not the only thing we get to take a peek at in this audio format medium. We get to take a peek at the fact that we are joined by Tom Taylor from the Indiana Jones Minute stop looking at me i mean hello <laughs> thanks for having me back i'm glad that we got to have you this whole week it's fun having you around more than
0: just one episode yeah that was fun back then but this is great i get to i get to really uh sink my feet into barter town and get to spit all over my hands <laughs> my throat's starting to get
1: dry from all that spinning and old deal making i've been doing lately yeah. i really got to figure out a better way of doing that i i Need some radiated water. (laughs) Exactly. What your whistle. We join Max today. He is being led around by the collector and accompanied by all of Auntie's guards, and they have come up to a window. And above that window, as we see at the beginning of this minute, there is a sign. And that sign says, park your weapons here, which is just a delightful little way of telling (laughs) us that this is the coat check. And by coat check, I mean firearms and weapons check. Yep. And that detail is hammered home. By the Collector saying, leave your weapons here, it's the law. Under the sign that says here. <laughs> In that sing-song and melodious way of speaking that the Collector has. Right. This man is so boring when he talks. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably done this a thousand times.
2: Sounds like a perfect Pontius Pilate.
1: I know, right? <laughs> it's. I don't want to say he was typecast as the political blowhard, but I mean, yeah. he certainly speaks like one. <laughs> I'm washing my hands of your guns. (laughs) so max walks over to the counter and there is this guy behind the window we never hear him talk we just see him react to the situation i gotta wonder what this guy's life is like i don't know if there's a door to that room
2: oh you think he lives in there i mean like a captive
1: he just eats guns i think that's what he lives on He has his meals brought to him and slid through that window. Yeah, maybe. One thing's for sure. It's probably the safest room in Bartertown. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever going to try and get in because he's got all of the guns there. Right. And I mean, not just guns. Knives, crossbows, any old thing. Mm-hmm.
2: But no fly No fly swatters. No. Fly swatters.
1: Nope. no. Nope. Max is told to relinquish his weapon, so he takes his red fly swatter. Now, this is actually a detail that we did not mention before. This whole time that we've been following Max. He's had a red fly swatter. Mm-hmm. No uh, no umbrella hats with corks hanging off them for him. Exactly. He just swats them. I don't think I could take Max seriously if he was wearing a wide brim <laughs> hat with cork hanging from it. Could he make that look cool? That's possible, but
2: yeah, I can't picture could. it. Yeah, he could, but the fly swatter is better.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's almost like a scepter, almost. You know, we talked about how He's the prince of his own domain. Mm-hmm. And so that fly swatter is his scepter. Interestingly enough, the collector has his own type of fly swatter, but instead of it being a plastic flattening swatter, it's more or less a stick with some hair attached to the end of it that he swishes around.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny you say scepter because I was thinking this is like the original Gandalf move <laughs> of like, you know, hiding his one weapon in plain sight and just being like, oh, you're not going to take my walking stick, are you? You know, I'm like, ah, oh, I got my fly swatter. I, got all my, I left all my guns. All I got is his fly swatter. So yeah, it's his, uh, it's his magic wand.
1: I can picture it now. Max walks into the golden hall of Medusel in the city of Grimma Grandma tongues there and he's like, you didn't take his fly swatter. You <laughs> didn't take you. his fly <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There's nothing saying that the Lord of the Rings movies don't take place in a post-apocalyptic New Zealand. Oh. We talked last week about how the people in New Zealand, if the apocalypse ever comes, they're going to have all of the woolen leggings and socks and underwear that they could ever want oh, because true. there are so many sheep there. Yeah. But the radiation might also produce hobbits and wizards and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and more It's absurd. Yeah. So Max is a nice law-abiding visitor to Barter Town, and so he starts placing his weapons on the counter, and he starts with the shotgun and Mauser that we've already seen. We get a close-up on the counter, and Max produces a Smith & Wesson Model 29 revolver which eagle-eyed viewers will notice is the same make and model as the Lord Humongous' pistol from Road Warrior. Oh, wow. Except that the barrel is shorter and there isn't a scope. Those are the only two differences. And there's no uh, cool caddy case thing. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure, and I'm not saying this because I have it in my notes, but I'm pretty sure the service revolver that Max had back in the first movie was also a Smith & Wesson Model 29. Oh. So as the Mauser is an old reference to Bubba Zanetti, the Smith & Wesson may be an old reference back to his policing days.
2: So it's obvious that the props master or set designer chose these guns on purpose Mm -hmm. as callbacks, as references (laughs) to previous important guns. But Max, in-universe, do you think he chose these guns with any purpose? Mm -hmm. Because for him, they were callbacks to guns that meant something in his life.
1: I really think that he chose them because he's nostalgic. It's a sore point for him, but maybe he saw that old Model 29 and it reminded him of all those times where he'd be at the counter at home and he'd be sitting there watching Sprague play with his service revolver and Mm -hmm. just throwing caution to the wind.
2: (laughs) Well, that kind of sounds healthy.
1: It has been 15 years.
2: Yeah. At the end of Mad Max 79 and in Road Warrior, we talked a lot about how his style of grieving is not the healthiest style and that man really needs help. (laughs) Yeah. He needs to see a therapist. So 15 years down the road, maybe he has gotten to a place where he can have talismans that remind him of the past in a less painful way so that he doesn't just completely repress it Mm -hmm. so maybe he's making progress on the grieving front
1: yeah maybe i'm wondering because the max that we see in fury road is in a very different place mentally Mm -hmm. than the max we see here in thunderdome And I have a feeling that what probably happened is he went through a lot of progressing and learning and getting better between Road Warrior and Thunderdome. And between Thunderdome and Fury Road, he had a string of bad luck where he wasn't coming out on top. And that's probably why the Tom Hardy we see in Fury Road is not as well (laughs) 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 mentally as the Mel Gibson that we see here in this movie. Yeah.
2: Makes perfect sense. You know, everybody over the course of their life is going to go up and down, and Max's up and downs are dramatic, mm-hmm. but that's also not uncommon.
1: I mean, he probably had a string of just a bunch of good days, maybe bad days too. It's been over a decade, so who knows what's been going on. But I'd like to think that when the narrator in Road Warrior said the man learned to live again, I'd like to think that was a positive thing. Mm -hmm. And this is the result. One thing that I'm not sure about is the second item that Max places on the counter. He puts the Smith and Wesson and then he puts down another object. It's black, rather cylindrical in places. And I'm not quite sure what it is. And my guess is that it's either the Geiger counter from earlier or it's some
0: sort of grenade. Yeah, I always thought it was a grenade. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, A grenade (laughs) would be
2: my guess. I don't think he's obligated in any way to surrender the Geiger counter.
1: Yeah, right unless he's got a pocket knife hidden inside it the only way that the geiger counter awesome. is a weapon is if he's waging war against people trying to sell irradiated water yeah
2: well it does provide him with a certain amount of knowledge and knowledge is power
1: mm-hmm. that's why it's great to learn <laughs> i'm definitely willing to go with the idea that it's a grenade i just i've never seen anything like that before <laughs> yeah it is weird looking
0: it's like a... plus it is
1: dark Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. You don't get a really good look at it, and it's dark, and it's a
1: weird angle. Now, one thing I definitely do recognize, the last thing that Max drops on the counter in this shot appears to be a bayonet, (laughs) something that you affix to the front of a long rifle so you can, you know, spear people. It's a good shanking weapon. So it's
2: just the blade?
1: Yep. That's crazy. It's very quick. I had to go frame by frame to really get some good looks at it, but... If you go frame by frame, you can clearly see the long, tapered bayonet blade, the little L bend at the end of the blade that goes into the ring cuff that you slide over the end of the barrel. It's all there, and he just drops it down there. All right. So we're at like four weapons right now. Five if you count the grenade.
2: I had a question about the sound effect versus actual weapons we see on the counter ratio. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I believe there's way more sounds of weapons being put down than actual weapons. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I didn't count because I didn't want to, but it was just, it was (laughs) obvious.
0: (laughs) Is it possible that some of those sounds were just the uh, weapons settling on the counter and not being put down for the first time? One interesting thing about this sequence, Max is looking
1: at the guy in the window, the guy in the window is looking at Max. Everybody else around them is behind Max's back. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's just pulling things out of his cloak. So it's not like they can really see where all this stuff is coming from. And after we get that initial shot of the counter, we get a shot of Max. We get a shot looking through the weapons check window at the attendant. And between those two shots, not looking at the counter, I heard round about five or six other items in the counter. (laughs) Yeah. And immediately after that, we look down at the counter Same number of weapons, except Max throws a bunch of shotgun shells onto the counter. I am willing to bet as a way of messing with the guards and the collector behind him just out of spite, really, instead of actually dropping things, he's reaching over to the counter, picking them up and dropping them again, (laughs) shuffling them around to make it sound like he's got more stuff. That's funny. Okay, I mean, I'll believe that if they're gonna make him hand over his weapons, he might as well mess with them a little bit, yeah, so that expression that we see on the weapons check window attendant's face, of just like, <laughs> are you kidding me? It's probably just him watching max yeah pantomime dropping more weapons. am I gonna
0: lose my job? You're messing with the <laughs> amount of weapons picking things up and putting them down yeah. This is my livelihood, sir. Please don't mess around. Really appreciate if you take this job
1: seriously. It's literally all I have in life. That and this hat. That's it. <laughs> Max is so haphazard and careless with throwing these shotgun <laughs> shells onto the counter. And it's a little bothersome. Yeah. Because one of them just rolls onto the floor. Yeah. Somebody's going to get in trouble. We learned at the end of Road Warrior that shotgun shells are important enough to risk the life of an eight-year-old. <laughs> and so... Yeah. The nonchalant way he just kind of tosses it onto the counter. It's like a little respect for
0: something that's so valuable, man. Right. Disappointed in you, Max. (laughs) The world is taking its toll on Max and his love of shotgun shells. He's just not the same guy. No. He's a shell of a man. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. There we go. Bonus points. Thank you. We
1: get another shot looking at Max specifically as he continues... I guess placing items on the counter. <laughs> we hear three more items drop so we are up to I think 14 supposedly. Wow.
2: Seriously, 14.
1: Four initially, another 6 plus three more. Okay, maybe like 13. 13. Yeah. Okay. My math that's, was a little off. I'm a podcaster that's crazy. not a mathematician. <laughs> As we're looking at Max going through the motions of putting things on the counter, you can actually see in you can actually see behind him Ironbar is getting curious about where he's finding all of these things. And so he slyly leans over to try and peek around Max yeah. to see what's going on.
2: <laughs> I like how he slips out of this character of the captain of the Imperial Guard. He's supposed to be cold and calculating and in control. And he lets his impressed curiosity (laughs) show and for someone in a position like his that's a sign of weakness yeah so very surprised at him
1: we finally end this process of max giving away all of his weapons by him pulling a crossbow out from underneath his cloak and he (laughs) drops it on top of the pile of weapons yeah that he's already made, which I think brings the total up to fourteen, right? Yes. Okay. So I was partially correct. Yes. Lot. <laughs> being partially correct is better than being wholly wrong. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so this crossbow, mm-hmm. it's not a full size crossbow. It's like a mini. Yeah. Do you think it's from Wes? No. Oh. Do you think it's his arm crossbow? Now, what really makes me think that it might be his arm crossbow is not the movie itself. It's not the ending of Road Warrior. At the end of Road Warrior, I would expect that his arm crossbow was destroyed. But in the alternate ending of the screenplay... uh... Max actually ends up with Wes's arm <laughs> and he shoots the crossbow from holding Wes's actual arm, no longer attached to Wes.
1: Wow. Oh, wait. I was thinking about that scene that we were talking about in the screenplay. I think it might have been Bearclaw Mohawk's arm.
2: You're right. It was Bearclaw Mohawk's arm, because... but it was still a arm-mounted crossbow.
1: Okay, I only mention it because of the awesome way that Max got that arm in the first place by taking his shotgun, putting it in Bearclaw Mohawk's armpit and (sighs) blowing the arm off that way. That's right. Because, Tom, I don't know if you've heard the alternative ending to Road Warrior. No. Basically, Max bails on the tanker with Papagallo and they drive away leaving the feral child behind. The feral child is pinned to the tanker with a crossbow bolt through his arm. Wow. And when the raiders catch up to the tanker, they find that it's full of sand. Wes flies into a rage, kills humongous and then him and a couple other Mohawkers kill every other person in the gang. Sounds about right. So It's bonkers. <laughs> it is crazy town banana pants man and the whole thing ends up with this crazy game of chicken where wes has taken the humongous's car tied the feral child upside down to the front of it and so max riding the lone wolf that papagallo had is going in a chicken race against wes and fires bear claw mohawk's <laughs> crossbow into wes's face oh my god to end it all it's insane wow absolutely insane we did a whole episode about <laughs> it if people want to go back and listen that's incredible.
2: Yeah, so I really want this crossbow to be Bear Claw Mohawk's crossbow.
1: Yeah. That would be so great. Cause that is one heck of a story. It really is. Yeah, he earned that. I feel like sitting around a campfire that of someone that he found as he was traveling around. He's like, Hey, do you want to hear the story about how I got this crossbow? <laughs> he used to have an arm on it. <laughs> as Max finishes by placing that crossbow on the counter he still has his fly swatter in his mouth and he turns back to the collector he holds out his hands as if to ask do you want to frisk me now Yeah, just to be sure (laughs) it's a good move it's definitely a power move yeah and we love our power moves here on the Mad Max Minute, especially when the idea of frisking comes because Max was a cop. He knows how to frisk somebody. And I think the last time someone patted him down, it was Papagallo's second in command in the compound. Oh, yeah. What was his name? Oh, gosh, now I'm forgetting things. I'm usually pretty good with that, but never mind. He died on the back of the rig, and that's just about it. But yeah. Max got that look on his face while he was getting patted down that first time. He's like, really? That's not how you frisk someone. Come on, <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it right. So I imagine he would have had a very similar response if Ironbar had stepped up yeah. to pat Max down.
2: In the novelization of the screenplay, Ironbar does step up to pat Max down. Oh. oh. And the Collector indicates to iron bar that that's not necessary huh. and they move on
1: did the collector say it was not necessary because they didn't want to have to wait for them to bring a step stool in so that iron bar could oh. give max the complete <laughs> pat down probably wow. i'm a terrible person <laughs> <laughs> any of our listeners under five foot one i'm sorry bad
0: i'm <laughs> <laughs> just thinking of sergeant mccluskey and the godfather <laughs> first, to,
1: first a thousand young punks One thing that kind of bothers me about this whole leave your weapons thing is that Max walks away from the weapons counter and he does not take a claim ticket. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, that drives me nuts.
2: Yeah. How is he supposed to get his stuff
1: back? The whole countertop is littered with claim tickets. Mm -hmm. Like they're just sitting out.
0: Unless he's thinking, well, okay, with my camels and my stuff, I'm going to make sure that I make it part of the deal that I get, if not those exact weapons back, you know, reasonable facsimiles. It's just irresponsible. It the fact that he would do that. It's
1: like you walk up to the weapons counter and he's like, hey, I want all my weapons back. And he, th- th- this guy doesn't know
0: Max from Adam. Yeah. like,
2: Well, maybe he does now since Max made such a production of putting yeah. his stuff down.
0: Remember me? <laughs> yeah. We had good times, remember? Give my stuff back. You know which stuff.
1: I'm the one that kept picking things up and dropping them back on the counter to make it sound like I had more things. I showed
0: you each thing twice, so you'd remember which was (laughs) mine.
1: (laughs) I wonder if Max, on the bottom of his weapons, he takes a file and he scratches in his name kind of like the toys in Toy Story. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Max.
2: Just a double M. (laughs)
1: mad max yeah say in that instance you only really have to worry about old guys painting over your name yeah like in toy story 2 yeah
2: well as long as they fix up the rest of the gun at the same time
1: that's a good point you sew MM that arm back on
2: (laughs) unless he doesn't do mm maybe he scratches out his entire name in which case i'd be pretty peeved if i had to do that a second time oh Oh, my god
1: rocket tansky is a killer (laughs) And not just in the way that Max, you know, is ha- handcuffed that one guy to a overturned Ute and let him blow up. That's that's a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finished with the weapons counter, we are moving on and starting at about second forty-seven. We slowly emerge from the entrance tunnel and we get our first look at the wonder that is Bartertown. It kind of reminds me of that Main Street Avenue at Disneyland. <laughs> Yeah, just yeah, throngs of people, funny looking buildings, mm-hmm. and we get the return of that clanging music. Yeah, from outside the
0: wall. I love that. There's a guy on stilts. Is he only? Is the only reason he's on stilts is to change those light bulbs? He's like headed for that string of lights. And is he just up there to change those light bulbs, or is he just the guy on stilts, the stilt man?
1: That might be
0: huh. the first reasonable explanation of why that guy is walking around <laughs> on stilts that i've heard i don't think it happens by the end of this minute but i think in the beginning of the next minute he might be like grabbing at a, at a light bulb or something i mean he starts off this minute just kind of stumbling around like we're at some sort of
1: weird circus yeah
0: watch this kids <laughs>
1: <laughs> stepping on toes and whatnot yeah. because how are you going to be able to see the ground with that many people right. it's insane one thing that actually makes a lot of sense is the sheer amount of guards that we can see standing on that one building yeah. off to the left keeping an eye on that opening There's seriously like Eight of them mm-hmm. just hanging around, keeping an eye on things,
0: yeah. being all intimidating and whatnot.
2: While I appreciate the need for security, that does seem a little excessive.
0: Well, it might also be a uh, you know a show of force as you're entering Barter Town. Mm-hmm. Don't mess. We're watching. We're ready for whatever you got. That kind of thing. It's actually a very similar thing. I used to work at an amusement park. I
1: spent about two summers working at a local amusement park. And when I worked security, one of the details was immediately inside the welcome way, mm-hmm. right past the ticket counter. And it was that same idea. As soon as people walk in, you're there to remind them that this amusement park has park security. And if you try to bring in outside food, you're going to be sorely disappointed because I am there to stop you. Wow. Killjoy. Yeah, really? You know, people were allowed to bring in baby food and formula and whatnot stuff that we didn't sell in the park but i would be remiss if i let anyone walk through those gates with bags of groceries which (laughs) people did once wow and people come in and had you know those big paper grocery bags filled to the brim with food and i'm like you cannot wheeling in a barbecue in here (laughs) like (laughs) there are picnic tables Outside the park, go eat out there and keep your food in your car. Don't be bringing half the produce department in here. Yeah, got to save room for the fried dough. We're trying to sell overpriced hamburgers here. Yeah. If you don't want to pay $9 for a greasy patty and a disappointing (laughs) slice of cheese, you can leave the park, go to Burger King, and come back. That's why we stamp your hand. (laughs) My word. Some people. I know, right? (sighs) Come on. This big building that all the guards seem to be standing on there is one big detail about it that caught my eye initially and that was the giant wheel with wings on the top of the tower i guess it's a very oh yeah adobe mud looking building anyway but there is a very distinct tower with that symbol on it and that is the same sort of totem i guess that we see at the top of Dr. Dealgood's staff. It must be some sort of symbol for Barter Town. Huh, that's cool. I hadn't noticed that before. I don't know if it's ever explicitly explained to us like that. Right. But that's what I think it is. It's branding. There you go. It's branding. Right below that wheel, we see the lovely use of human remains in their architectural decorating because there's a little pyramid of human skulls embedded into the wall. Oh, yeah. Not quite sure exactly what purpose they serve. It might just be an aesthetic thing. Could be. I don't know. They're easy to find. Could also be some sort of wasteland air conditioning, because if you take air and you move it through small openings, it moves a little faster and it cools down a bit. So maybe the air rushing through the eyes and and nose holes of the skulls, it cools down the air as it goes into that tower.
0: Interesting. That is
2: incredibly grim, but I can't I can't deny that it makes sense.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, I'm not saying it would be the most effective thing, but it's the only explanation I can think of as to why you'd want human skulls other than just being intimidating looking. Yeah. Most of the people in this town do look like they came out of a heavy metal magazine. So <laughs> That's true. Might be a little column A, might be none of column B whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but Either way, this place is unlike anything we have ever seen in the Mad Max series. Even before the collapse of civilization, we never saw a place with this many people, with this much yeah. bustling activity. It's a society. The only thing I can even think to compare it to is the nightclub back in Mad Max 1979. But even then, that was such a, a small space. Mm-hmm. This is, like you say, Tom, society. Yeah civilization the city and it's i'll say it pretty impressive not bad at all yeah we don't get too much of a good look at it because the minute is going to cut off and we are going to end this week with just the tiniest bit of a tease yeah at what we're looking at here so unfortunately you know our time with mad max has come to an end for this week tom it's been good having you oh thank you it's been a lot of fun i'm glad you came
0: back thanks for having me if people want to listen to more of you where should they go oh they should go to uh indiana jones where you can uh, find me on the indiana jones minute where my friends jerry and pete and i go through every single minute of every single indiana jones movie one minute at a time. Uh, you can find me at abcdevo.com, where we are doing every single uh, Devo song in alphabetical order. That is a romp. You can also check me out at moviehole.com, in which we uh, we used to be the Caddyshack Minute, but we finished the Caddyshack Minute. And so it's still there under the name of the Movie Hole. We've got uh, some episodes of uh, A Christmas Story on there. And uh, we are now working on bringing you the Blues Brothers Two minutes at a time nice yeah
1: and of course for your Indiana Jones minute listeners I think you also have a patreon with ex- with extra content there as
0: well right that is true we do uh, our show anything goes if you support us over at uh, patreon.com slash Indiana Jones minute you can get uh, stickers you can get postcards from the three hosts you can get uh, episodes of our uh, bonus show anything goes where we're talking about other movies any sort of, not not minute by minute, but a sort of long-form, meandering, but entertaining way. Uh, We've talked about Jaws and Close Encounters and... uh we're talking about E.T. right now. We're starting with a lot of Spielberg stuff, but we're going to branch out into other things, too. We're having a lot of fun, and you should, too.
1: Nice. Yeah, and I mean, if you're on Patreon anyway, you can pop over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash madmaxmin, where for the $3 a month range, you can listen to our extra show called Anarchy Road, where we are currently pursuing the Knight Rider through Hook. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think... The end of this week, we're into our third chunk of minutes. Wow. If we're lining up, right, we're doing hook five minutes at a time. Mm. So you can join us on there for that. It's a lot of fun. We <laughs> we don't usually get to do lighthearted stuff of that nature, so right. we've been having a good time with it. And yeah. of course, everybody's invited along. Much fewer deaths in that one. Yeah. <laughs> fewer maimings. <laughs> no nowhere near as many arms being shot off in the armpit. Yeah. That sort of thing. (laughs) So on top of that, of course if you are in the market for more Movies by Minute podcasts in the vein of Mad Max Minute and Indiana Jones Minute and all that, you can go to moviesbyminutes.com connect with the star wars minute which really kicked off and popularized this whole movies by minute format and of course check out all the other shows we got on there but like i said last time you've always got us we'd like you to stick around so give us the weekend we'll come back next week with an extended look at the glory that is barter town and we'll see exactly where we're headed towards with this whole follow me thing that the collectors (laughs) got going The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham.
2: Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers.
1: Join our Patreon by clicking the support link, or make a one-time donation by clicking the donate link.
2: Thank you for joining us for Minute 9 of Beyond Thunderdome. See you next time.